you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Episode of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again after oh, almost a couple of month hiatus. It's been a, a long time. I've been on Twitter and reading all the articles and stuff and everything, but it's good to be back. Because um, we have been away for a little while, I thought only just a frequent person on the podcast with me. Billy, you must be missing the footy like crazy as well, just like I've been. It's good to be back and, and chatting about it again. Yeah, mate, between uh, parenting at home and <laughs> really awesome home, just keen to get back and wait. Even if it's lawn bowls, I don't care. Just oh, I think that's the worst thing, isn't it? There hasn't been really any sport worldwide, so it's just been <laughs> absolute footy to not be around. But when you can't even watch anything else, it just makes it so much harder. I've been getting stuck into the live um, old games that they've been doing live and calling them live again on Foxtel and that sort of kept me a little bit sane. Have you managed to watch any of those or you just blanket haven't watched any footy at all? Yeah, no, I haven't really been getting into those. It's kind of like, you know, once I've seen a match, I've seen a match, not really interested in it again. Um, kind of more interested in the you know, flicking through Foxtel and watching the Bulgarian bocce ups, mate. But, um, well, I mean, yeah. it's actually been pretty good because they've, because um, it's a new call. Like, a, it's, it's, I found, found it a bit more interesting. It sort of rejuvenated a little bit with guys, you know, current broadcasters calling it now, and obviously they know the players and the outcome and stuff. It's it's a bit funny sometimes as well, but yeah, obviously not the real thing. Um, so May twenty eighth is our date that we've got set, um, just to tell the listeners out there what we're going to kind of get into today. It's going to be about um, too much about um, getting deep and diving into the stats and stuff because obviously there's a lot of things that have been happening. So pretty much the next three weeks we're going to put out a podcast every week. Um, it's going to drop around sort of Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening each week for the next three weeks. This one today, we're going to actually be going through um, the changes in the NRL rules that are potentially happening now, the team changes as well as the super coach changes, uh, because all of that's going to shape the season really differently, those three main factors. So we're going to chat about all that, who might be affected, uh, what we might be thinking about. Next week, we're going to talk about, we're going to have a specific trade podcast, and we're going to be talking about the trade-in and trade-outs, uh, because we're going to have a bit more of an idea of things then um, and who we can target and sort of get a bit more of a feel for how things are looking. The week after that, we'll have a, a TLT Tuesday where we'll go through everything and have that up on the Wednesday for you so you can make some decisions and have a look at the games and everything by then. So, Billy, first off, um, NRL rules. Um, there's a few little changes and things that have come up that are causing some controversy. I guess the the one thing that sort of I've said on a lot of uh, questions and things that have come up and really to answer a lot of things, the caveat that I've thrown on there is until we actually know what the draw is, it's really hard to say. Like as far as how we feel about trading out players or trading in players, we don't know what the draw is yet. And I mean, that's one of the big things with uh, the five trades getting added and not reducing the trades like we're going to talk about in a little while, so we won't go into it now. But that's one of the big reasons why this has happened. There's just so many effects from this coronavirus pandemic um, that you don't even think about. Like, I know for me, for instance, I started with a heap of Eels players because the Eels had a good draw. Now, when the draw comes out, they might have a shit draw. And all of a sudden, those decisions I made, I wouldn't have made if I would have known that before round one. Um, Likewise, we're now looking at a draw that's only got 18 rounds left instead of 23. 
um, and it's going to have no buys and origins. So I know, for example, that some people had put guys in to play in the origin period that, that didn't have a starting jersey and weren't going to be in the squads until the buy time. Um, so, you know, those guys are completely useless selections now and just dead wood. So there's a lot of different factors now that are going to change. Um, the last example that I gave just earlier today was, you know, if you had a team that was going to play the Titans and Warriors twice, and now they're only going to play them once, that draw all of a sudden is significantly weaker. Whereas if, you know, you have a side that was going to play the Roosters in Melbourne twice, and they're not playing those teams now when the draw comes out, then all of a sudden their draw looks a lot better. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I think it's kind of, in my opinion, sort of overestimating it, like the impact there a little bit. Um, I had this. I had a chat with someone about four or five weeks ago on this. Um, if you if you're picking for a draw, and this is just my opinion, but if, if you actually when you pick your when you pick your team prior to the season starting, if you pick on draw, it's highly unlikely that you're picking a player for their draw for you know, 10, 11, 12 rounds. You, you're more than likely picking a player based on the first four or five rounds. Like if you look at um, Moses, like lots of people are getting on him because he had an early round of I think. Three out of five games at home with, uh, let's say, one versus Tigers and one versus I mean, one versus Dogs or something like other. We've already had two rounds, so you've already had the benefit of the first couple of rounds. So whether or not it paid off, you, you pretty much already got you know forty, fifty percent of what you're expecting. So uh, and, unless unless you get stitched up with a guy like Moses who had a soft draw, now all of a sudden getting sort of um. Two, two or three of you know, Scouts, Roosters, and, and Storm. I can't really see. What about the buys, though? That, that's a bit of a difference. kick in the teeth for guys that maybe sort of went, oh, I need to make sure I've sort of got five, six guys to smash the buy rounds, and now the buys aren't there anymore either. Yeah, but when you when, when you bought, in your team round one, you're not going to get five five guys that just play, just because they're playing the buys and go, all right, I'm going to hold these guys for 11 rounds just for the buys. I mean, that's, there, might, there might be a couple of examples where someone picks, you know, like a, a second row forward that, you know, like a, a poor name out of the hat, a guy like Madison. But let's, let's assume you pick Madison because you think that he might have been playing. Uh, I don't remember what the draws are like. You, you picked him because you thought he might not make Origin and he's more likely going to be, you know, slightly undervalued. Or um, a guy like Mason Brown, if you think he's going to stay healthy and you know, yeah. not going to play Origin, just just poor names out of the hat here. I mean, th- th- those are sort of average guys that you still need to carry for, you know, a good ten rounds before you even get to the players. So. Highly unlikely you're going to have five or six guys that you're unsure of that you that you're now all going to have to change plans with. There might be one or two guys, but it's um, we and we can debate on how much of a factor each of us think it is, but it's one of several factors that have changed the season a little bit. One of the other things with the draw two, which I think is quite interesting, and I'm interested in your take on this. I would have probably looked at the season a little bit different from a strategic point of view had I known that Origin wasn't going to be played till after the season. Um, because, I mean, and in some ways it worked out well because I ended up not starting with Cook. I might have decided to start with Cook round one um, had I known this because I would have sort of thought to myself, well, Cook's not going to have that origin burnout in the in the, the middle of the season. Um, Cook's not going to be going through those origin games and potentially getting rested and he's not going to miss games because of origin either. So I might have actually swayed to someone like Cook, which, which probably which would have hurt me at this point because I wouldn't have started with Aki. So that's actually a positive. But without origin there, I think that there's a... There's a lot of factors there that would have been different in our decision making before round one. Look, I, I see the logic in in that discussion. Um, Cook, as a specific example, wouldn't make too much of a difference because he generally sort of fires, you know, pre-origin and post-origin. But yeah, like you said, the pro- his price factor and the fact that he doesn't sort of um, 
after he does dip post uh, middle post sort of in that middle origin period um, might have kind of offset your reason for buying him. Um, look on the bright side, <laughs> you avoided the catastrophe there short term. There's a couple of small examples where like I agree with what you're saying, but I don't think in the scheme of things it's making too much of a difference. But what what I will agree is um, um, my own sort of personal situation. I think this is the first time in about five or six years where I've gone, you know what? Every year I plan or I have a plan or I think it and come origin, I've got, you know, 12 or 13 players for round 12 and every Tom, Dick and Harry that has a head-to-head team is has one less player than me and has already sort of 300 points ahead because I didn't sort of muck around with a bunch of spastics just, just trying to get, you know, more, more people on the park for origin. And we find out that, you know, once that one game is gone, they score, you, you score an extra 50 points on them. They've got full strength going into the next two or three rounds. So I've done the, I've done the uh, old head-to-head types of the team this year and not worried too much about origin. And That's the big um, thing with the draw, with, with the, the changes that we've now got. The overall guys um, always had that little safety net where you go, oh, well, I didn't start that well. Or there's maybe a lot of teams that are head-to-head teams that are ahead of me, and you can look at like the top 10 and go, well, some of these guys are actually going to drop out because they're only built for head-to-head. But now, head-to-head guys are going to yeah. be just as involved in the season end and where people are finishing as, as what the classic guys are going to be because you don't have that origin catch-up period. Yeah, true. And it's, I think it's more of a sprint now um, than ever before. Previously, it was always you know, try to get to a good position by sort of round eight, round nine, going to the buys, and then then be prepared not to drop too many spots. Right now, I think it's I think really I really do believe that you know, right now you need to be very very close to the top and you need to burn the crap out of your trades right now just just to maintain speed, just keep two or three two or three hundred points ahead of everyone and just. Just burn the shit out of your trades, absolute max trade every week, and don't even worry about you know so having none left for the last sort of two or three rounds because there's what you know 20 games and you pretty much got uh, two trades for every week pretty much so yeah don't muck around with them just burn the shit out of them just treat it like an unlimited trade scenario you know sort of clear is out clear is out this week is out this week trade get rid of you know get someone else in and then so the next week trade into this trade into this game then when Teddy's playing the storm no piss Teddy I'll get top get Ponga back in just go ballistic instead of getting yep, in 100% the agree um, only 18 rounds left so it's definitely going to be known as the Usain Bolt season I reckon for Supercoach on to a couple of other different NRL, talk, NRL rules topics that are changing um, one of them is the anti-vaxxers so just today, even like we knew that Bryce Cartwright and Brian Kelly, for instance, were going to be playing uh, for the Titans at the moment. Um, the Titans have actually gone out officially and told them they've got until the 14th of May to actually let them know officially whether they're going to be doing it or not. Otherwise, they'll be stood down. Um, even if you don't like, they're not super relevant players. But um, whenever anyone leaves a starting side, it presents an opportunity for someone else. So it can be a positive as well for you know a rookie to come in or whatever else. But we're now also being told, you know, there's around about 17 or 18 other anti-vaxxers that aren't going to be allowed to play in Queensland. So the Queensland government today has said uh, they will not allow teams to travel with players who haven't had their vaccination. So if some of these other guys stand firm, that rule's going to be pretty huge because, I mean, uh, you know, Raiders, for example, at, at Tapani or a, a Josh Papali, relevant players for Supercoach, if they've got a couple of weeks playing Queensland teams away, like, say, the Titans in Brisbane, they're, they're going to have two weeks where they're not playing. So if the anti-back stuff sticks how it is, that could that could play havoc with the draw as well. 
Yeah, that'll hurt a bit. Um, it, it only takes one player not to play, um, and all of a sudden, you know, play a bum in there, and that 35 points difference between a head-to-head win and loss or end of season, sort of, you know, sort of 40, 50 spots. I don't suppose there's a publicly available list of players that actually uh, have uh, They've made about a dozen of them. Are at risk um, so I'm going to assume that the other ones aren't too, aren't too relevant. But uh, from the Raiders, we've got, you know, the Supercade relevant guys really are, are Papali, uh, Tapani, Tapau, Dylan Walker. Those were the main relevant guys from a super coach perspective. There's going to be other guys that aren't named though as well. So it's definitely a story that we're going to know more of the next sort of week or two. You know, if those guys can't play, I mean, just for an example, just discussing this, Billy, would you, if somebody just had, you know, one game away in Queensland where you knew that they weren't going to be able to play, but they're an expensive gun like a Tapau, I would I would not be getting them in in the first sort of month or two of the season when you're pretty weak. I think that that's a pretty sane strategy to just just to leave it because you can't take that hit like you said and and put someone in who's only going to score thirty points as a substitute for that week. Yeah, none of those guys are extremely relevant in regards to look. If you don't own, you're going to get hurt. So it's probably an, an easy decision not to buy. But if if you own any of those guys right now, it's probably a close watch in the draw and just being very very careful that you got back up. I mean, this early in the season, we both know that um. Yeah, the front row four this year because of lack of back and guns versus cheap versus middle and cheapy options. So a lot of teams might have like a Tapau um, in there and might be like if he ends up being playing in Queensland, then all of a sudden you you're faced with the position of um, you know starting one of the um, like a Rudolph or one of those those really cheap guys that's sitting up uh, cows at the moment if you don't have any jewels. You don't know what's going to happen. You might turn up to that week and you know like round three as it was, even if the season didn't get suspended. I had Nathan Brown and Ponga both suspended for round three. So I already had two guys out that if I already was short, I, I might have needed to trade out anyway in a shortened season. So you don't know what's going to happen. So you don't want to really, you don't want to take the hit if you don't have to, I guess. And like you said, if you can burn trades every week, um, you may as well get rid of some of those guys. And I would, I would lean towards it and just getting value in now to keep for the rest of the year if you can. While you've got those five trades, it's probably a good time to be planning that sort of stuff. Look, the other thing, just to quickly touch on, is the one ref. Well, it looks like that they're going to go ahead, but there has been some brouhaha from the referees on not wanting it to and a, a lot of talk about it. Um, interested on your take on it. I mean, to me, there's a, there's the non-supercoach perspective on it, the supercoach perspective. Let's start with the non-supercoach perspective first. I always thought one referee was better, and I always liked having one referee a lot more. I thought that they controlled the game better. They didn't rely on another referee. There wasn't overcalls happening. They paid more attention to the ruck because, you know, they didn't have a pocket referee paying attention to it. Touchies actually did their job. Um, we have a video referee as well. I actually thought that the, the game could be faster if it was refereed properly by someone, one ref, and it works in the Super League, works in some of the lower grades. It works great in internationals as well. So I didn't see a problem with it. I don't really like the whole six-again call for the ruck infringement, so that kind of threw me. I don't understand why we have to sort of do both at once. Honestly, one referee, two referees doesn't really bother me. I didn't really pay too much attention to it at all. The only thing that I was trying to figure out was why they actually sort of um, went with the change, though. I mean, did they actually give any reason as to why? Well, for one, it's a cost-cutting measure, so they can obviously cut their match fees in half from the referee's um, payment. So that's one thing, because they're cutting costs. Uh, but he did also he did also mention that um, you know it, it's been Enough. proven to not have any impact as far as the wrestle and um, the problems with the game anyway. So I kind of get where he's coming from there. I know some people sort of said, well, 
you know, show us where the proof is of that. But I, you know, there was some stats going around where you could see the penalties and stuff. You know, there was seasons with two refs where there was too many penalties being called, and you know, the ruck and stuff is quite slow, and it hasn't really improved anything having two anyway. So that was the reasoning. I mean, whether they end up getting it through or not, it's, it seems like they're pretty determined to. <laughs> Bloody Greeks in their cash. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Um, I mean, this, the super coach perspective, mate. It's it does have a propensity to lend itself to having less penalties because if that rule goes in, they're just going to call six again when there's a pen, an infringement in the middle of the field. That's the first thing. If you have less penalties, there's less negative stats for players to be getting. The other thing too is it does lend itself because of the continuous play and the flow. Someone like a Damien Cook, for example, um, is just going to keep having repeated. Uh, repeated rucks that he can attack rather than the stoppages, kicking the ball out or having to wait to take the tap and everything else. So maybe for some of those guys, it, it is going to be a, a more of an attacking opportunity with a faster flow as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Even if you take that out of the equation, just having one ref, boy, it speeds up a bit. I mean, logically, if you have one less person on the field uh, overthinking things and... Uh, Surely they're going to miss it. Surely well, I think they'll intentionally just let some things go. Like, I, I do think that the pocket ref... Kind of, nitpick's probably too much of a negative word. It's not really what I mean, but kind of nitpicks a little bit to to sort of do their job. Like, they feel compelled to, you know, they're not the lead ref. They've got to do something there, so they're really looking for things in the ruck to nitpick at, and I I just think that stops play a lot. I mean, the other thing that that can happen from it as well is it's probably the worst time for them to do it, right? Because we're speeding up the game after we've had a two-month layoff. So... (laughs) Yeah, imagine poor blokes like Andrew Fafita haven't been yeah. training at all and are going to come in really underdone and are going to have a game that's potentially going to be, you know, 10% faster, 20% faster, however much faster. It might be tough for those big boys around the rock. Yeah, poor big boys to play minutes Let's go on to the supercase changes, mate. I think the thing that everybody wants to hear us talk about and the biggest thing is going to be the super trade round being brought forward. Uh, I was pretty vocal on Twitter. You know, I was saying that from right at the start, you know, there needs to be between four and six, four and six trades to start the season. A lot of people disagreed with that. A lot of people just wanted two. Um, and I sort of said, well, look, I think four is the minimum. I'm not going, I don't mean to go overboard with six. I'm just saying I think that's the range. And to me, it always made sense for super trade round just to be brought forward. It's not needed later on. You may as well just bring it forward and it's kind of an easy type of fix. I guess a couple of the things, Billy, that I'm interested in your take on, um, because I'm very adamant that they've done the right thing, they needed to be five trades. The argument against it that I kept hearing, and I understand, is that it's going to give a lot of teams the opportunity to um, uh, to have luxury trades, I guess, to sort of you know get out of a Damien Cook mistake early on to an Appy, and, and all, a lot of teams are going to be similar. Everyone's going to jump on the same guys, all that type of thing. But... The other side of that is that there is a significant amount of teams impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic shutting it down. Um, you know, there's everything from the anti-vaxxers to the suspensions that were already there to the rotation changes that we're going to have now to the guys that have been injured during that time. There's, there's a lot of really different things. Um, and also the draw stuff in a very small way as well can impact the trades that you need to make too now. So I think that there is legitimately some teams that have just been smashed to bits and they're not going to have any interest in playing, you know, if they think that they're gone from the get-go, especially in a shortened season. So I think that everybody had to have the opportunity to be able to fix their team up to sort of go again. Yeah, I agree there had to be more changes. How many is a hard one? Um, 
you've obviously got to take into consideration the, uh, the, uh, the big one is people that were kind of filling in for a few games and expected to play half a dozen games. You can't expect people to be disadvantaged by all of a sudden, you know, someone, I'm Paul Manor, Fleggs or Carrigan. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, people that bought those guys knowing that they were going to play a few rounds before the injuries came back. So all of a sudden being disadvantaged with it by a second row forward or a front row forward and having to play them coming off the bench from 10 minutes as opposed to you know, starting for 16, that's, that's a massive, that's a massive thing. You can't penalise people for that. Um, especially when they were, when, they were, when they, were, they were proactive and actually spot or something like that. You don't, you don't want to take the reward away from them. Um, when they're taking the risk up front. On the flip side, um, if you started with Cook or you started with Ponga, um, you know, or you started with TPG, you know, bad luck. I mean, you should have to suck that up anyway. But it's, I'm not sure if I would have been happy with five. Um, two is too, too little. Maybe maybe three, a bit better. Four, stretching it. Um, I kind of disagree with five. I mean, it does allow you to set your team up, but by having five trades, you're pretty much allowed to, to fix every single anomaly you have and, I can see pretty much. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but you could pretty much have every team in the comp almost. almost nah, uh, I don't. I don't agree five. with that last one. I don't. I think that this is something that we always get sidetracked. Is again the wrong word. I'm, I'm. I'm not warmed up to the podcast yet, but we always run away a little bit with this whole. Everyone's going to have the same team business, and it, it doesn't really happen. And in this in this season, because we have a shorter season, it's harder for everyone to have the same team. It's going to be harder to make money faster in bulk cash, and it's. I think that there's a lot of different positions. Like, we spoke about fullback ad nauseum having five or six options, you know, in the preseason and stuff. I don't think people are going to have the same teams, and I legitimately think half the teams in Supercoach have multiple issues. I mean, for me, for example, if I had three trades, I'd still be screwed for round three. I already had Ponga and Nathan Brown sitting out, and people can say, oh, yeah, but they were, they were going to be suspended anyway. They were, but... You basically have four or five weeks worth of suspensions, injuries, standing downs, whatever, all compacted into round three, into one week. So if round three went ahead, I would have just solved my Nathan Brown and Ponga problem by trading Nathan Brown and, and maybe helping Ponga or maybe even having to trade him. I don't know. I hadn't decided. But that was only two issues I had. And all of a sudden, instead of those two suspensions, I now have six issues that I have to sort out. You know, David Fafita got injured during the you know, preseason and all this other stuff. Yeah. So you know, I think... I understand what you're saying with five. I actually said on Twitter I would have been happy with four. I think that four had to be sort of the minimum for those reasons, though. You know, you've got two major players suspended for one, heap of injuries as well that are already there. There's quite a bit to fix up. Yeah, but you can think about it this way. You're only starting 17 people in your team, right? Five trades, everyone's had a chance to see who's performing, what their rotations are. If everyone's on the money and is looking at the stats and picks the, picks the five right people, then... Everyone's already got, then, then you've got five out of 17 already. And you can't, you can't tell me that the majority of people didn't already have, you know, Haas and Tomalolo or, you know, um, uh, Pappenhusen. So, you know, there's another sort of three or four. So we're, we're pretty much already at nine or 10. So by, by round three, everyone's already, everyone could easily have at least 10 out of 17 the same. So they could, but never have. <laughs> I'm glad we're disagreeing on the first podcast. Oh. I think it, I think you, I, I I I I think if you look at the numbers on that one, I think you might sort of come around a bit more. Like if you if you look at if you looked at the numbers, you probably you probably see a decent percentage for um, Haas, Tomalolo, Papenhuizen. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you would probably you would probably see a decent number for Fafita. 
um, in the second row. I think a fair chunk selected him as an under, under value. So there's, you know, sort of four people there, and lots of people either either went sort of um, Cook or um, Cook or Coruscant, and at, at fullback, lots went lots went either, you know, um, uh, Ponga or Teddy or Ponga or whatever you call it. So. If you add the five trade, if you add the five, and then in the half, the Cleary or Moses, if you add the five trades, everyone gets a chance to do the quick switch, and all of a sudden, there's eight or nine guys right there that are already exactly the same. Well, there's two things that you're saying there, though. Like one of them is trading, like, you know, gun for guns or getting the right guns in, and that's part of it. But this conveniently falls, or, or for some people, inconveniently falls on our first price rise. So if you were to do what you said and reset a heap of guns, to the right guns, you're going to miss out on making money. And if you do that, then you're going to be in big trouble because making money this season is probably more important than ever because you've got to do it a lot faster. So, you know, yeah, I could, you know, fix up a couple of those gun guns to other guns sort of thing and get the right ones in. But if I do that, I'm probably not going to be good in the long run. You know, so it could go the other way. A lot of people might just go for the guys with the big break-evens and try and get them in. And then the other guns that you're talking about that were performing won't get the ownership I mean, Stags is a really good example that I'll throw at you because I've seen a lot of people say, you know, crazy not to get Stags. Everyone's going to have Stags now that you've got five trades, you know, blah, blah. He's got a big, he's got a negative break even and stuff. I'm, I wasn't that convinced on Stags being like a, you know, a top four center wing at the start of the year. And it's sort of a pod move for me to go, well, you know what? Maybe I'll wait at Stags and I'll get other guys because a lot of other people are going to jump on Stags and that's a better way to go ahead because I'm a big believer in runs. Like, center wings are going to go on runs. Stags was hot two months ago. Who's to say he's going to come in two months later after a layoff and be hot again? You know, he could come in and score 20. I reckon he's the type of guy that will be consistent there. I, mean, I know he had one big score, but if you look at the, the run for the second half of last year, the bloke is as consistent as hell, mate. I reckon I didn't start with him, but he's not one I'm going to be missing. But I am definitely considering not doing it. I mean, I'll, let's talk about regs with our trades. Like, with these five trades, what would you say, you know, approximate for you, do you reckon... You're within striking distance to say top 100. You know, after round two, do you think you know 10,000? It used to be within striking distance by the end of the season to get to top 100 for a big run. Or it's hard to put a number on it because you, you can captain the pod and score 300 in one day and then still catch up, mate. So I, I still think you can be a fair. I still think you can be sort of 50,000 and win this. Well, whatever it normally hard, is, um, you now have to be. You, you, you know, it's going to be a lot closer. So, I mean, if the line in the sand was it's impossible to win if you're after 50,000 in rank from after round two in a normal season, I would say in this season it's then halved and now it's like 25,000 because, again, we're talking about a 20-round season instead of a 25-round season um, and a lot of other factors that are going to really play up with the money-making and stuff as well. So, you know, you kind of need those trades, I reckon, and... I think that with those trades that you're working with, if you think about it, how I just said, you're going to go, oh shit, there's no way at, you know, rank 30,000 as a serious super coach player that I can possibly go with all these guys that are 40 or 50% owned. I would be going the other way and I'd be looking at pods because really it's my only possible chance if I'm an overall player. Yeah, it's too early though, so I mean, make the use of your pods, but pick and choose them wisely. Don't, don't hold on to a pods and, and, don't buy a pot and hold on to them for too long. Yeah, I wouldn't get all five pots, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm not, not going to get it straight. All right, let's talk about 
I guess what we're what we're looking at with our with our trades. I mean, are you going to look at using all five trades, for example, or are you going to sort of save a couple so you can make two every week? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to use all five because um, I've got quite a few issues. So have you got many guys that aren't going to be playing? Where you're going to have to use a five, or they're kind of luxury ones for you? Yeah, I got um. I've got a Cleary and Ponga to and Cleary Ponga to feed up to worry about, and obviously not. So, for me, I think I've got the first four worked out. So, um, Ponga getting rid of Cleary, I, would, I figure I need to figure out what to do with. So he, 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 he so he's probably last gone. The feed is gone, um, and I'm concerned about Knights Knights minutes in the front row. So, what I'm doing, I think I'm getting rid of what was it? I'm getting rid of Knightbreeding Flegler, uh, Big B. Uh, same 200 grand cheaper or something or other and same sort of output maybe more going to bring in stags and get rid of a bit mid-range the century quarter I think getting getting rid of Ponga um, going to go a pod um, I, oh yeah you might laugh at this but I actually thought the draw was really fine <laughs> oh, no. I was going th- to think about going a, uh, a pod in um, yeah I was going to bring homes in for one week um, maybe two just until um, Teddy Teddy or Turbo's kind of uh, breaking this sort of drop down a little bit and had a look at the draw and picked the first one that was playing the Titans or the Warriors um, as opposed to getting Ponga back. I mean, Ponga's already done his job. So, yeah, so get, get it. So I'm, 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 I'm focusing on uh, getting um, Tavaga in the second row, Stags in at seven three quarter, getting in, um, getting rid of Ponga and bringing um, Holmes in and doing something in the, in the front row. So I get bringing sort of flag, flag in, and sort of that sort of gives me an extra sort of 350k on the bench that I can sort of save Interesting. and use for 10 Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to try burning the trades as well, um, same as you. Uh, I agree 100% with your strategy, I think, because the other big change is that the actual number of trades didn't actually reduce. So like what Billy said, I think that you need to be just burning your trades. Uh, and that's when... Things like Billy's alluding to as well, like starting to rotate guys just for a few weeks at a time and trading guns for guns. I think this is the season to definitely do it. I tell you what, Billy, the centre wing run run trade theory on just grabbing and rotating your centre wings with all your two trades whenever you can, that, that's that got a lot of merit this year, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. The only other major changes aside from the trade numbers and the super trade round was to the draft, and that was being able to start over. Um, we don't talk about draft too much on this podcast, but... I think that was a good move because there's going to be a lot of teams super affected and we might have a heap of anti-vaxxers out as well. Uh, having said that, I'd hate to be in a draft league, Billy, because you know, there's going to be a lot that say, you know, half the league don't want to restart because they're going well and they've got a good team and the other half will be like, yeah, let's restart. So I'm glad we're not a part of those for this year. Yeah, the Just like every other year, I guess. Um, that was one of the reasons I didn't jump on this year because it was just a horrid draft process last year again when they, they promised it would be a lot better. So... I'm just going to wait until someone tells me, Barnsley, it was a really good draft year, the system worked great, the draft was heaps fun and it was awesome, and then I'll jump on the following year. Let's talk about the team changes now. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we don't really know until TLT, but there's a few things that have kind of come up that are going to affect your thinking while you're looking at trades for the next few weeks. Um, the anti-vaxxer stuff is still pretty fluid, but there's definitely guys that are going to be out for that at the moment, it looks like. Um, the suspensions to to try and work around as well. Rotation changes are happening now as well because of the long layoff. We've got a lot of players returning, and we've also got injuries that we weren't expecting to cop that have arisen in the last eight weeks. 
So with that in mind, let's just quickly go through each team and have a look at how the coronavirus pandemic has affected things during the shutdown. Brisbane Broncos is the first team, and I guess this is one of the bigger teams that have been affected because you've got someone like uh, Lodge that was going to be out for you know a few months at least, uh, coming back from an ACL injury early. Um, you've also got Fafita who was hurt and now out indefinitely. Glenn is back, and he might have taken another week or two to return. So it's it's pretty interesting in that pack. They've got a lot of guys back. TPJ is the only guy that's still out. Joe O returns as well. So it's pretty stacked, mate. You mentioned Flegler. Are you are you thinking that he's going to start, or do you think that he's going to be coming off the bench and you just like his break even? No, I reckon he kind of still starts. Even if it's been Joe O's that comes off the bench for a game or two, even if it's only one game, I'm happy just to do that and get rid of him again or just leave him on the bench to make a bit of coin. You've got a crap load of trades now anyway. Um, I just think, you know, him versus Knight and 200k and make 100k in a couple of weeks, that's, that's, the, only yeah. way, that's the only way I'm thinking there. That, that, that's, that's the balance. I mean, I'd obviously like to keep Fafita, but um, as, as, as well as he was going, if you look at the numbers, like he was on 45 one game and had that breakaway try and got to 70, so not not too concerned about it. And it doesn't matter how good he is, I'm not too concerned about not having a an eight-minute edgy who may or may not play the full game, so rather just take... I'm going to ask you about him, because I initially thought to myself, I'm just going to hold him. Now that I know that we're not going to have any trade reduction in our numbers, it might make sense just to not do that anymore. So I've now been swayed because of you know the trades being revealed. I, I did think about holding him, though, because it might only be a week by the time we get to TLT, and there's some rumours you know, swirling around that maybe he only misses a week. If by TLT... It comes out that he's only going to miss one or two weeks. Would that sway you to hold him, or are you still going to just flick him? Nah, no, I haven't made any trades yet at all. So, I've got thirty-seven for sort of twenty rounds, and if I make max this week, pretty much you can you can go hammer and long right up until you know two and a half weeks before right before the end. So, uh, or three weeks before <laughs> the end, whatever my max. But like, like you say, it's sprint race now. I really don't care if I've got zero trades left. If I'm in, you know, sort of top five or top six with sort of five rounds to go. I'd, I'd much rather sort of be there, be that sort of position as opposed to, um, you know, sort of coming 300th and having 10 trades up my sleeve when everyone's got every man's dog on and I've got five trades to try yeah. and Yeah, I guess the Broncos got the Seabold factor as well, which I was talking to Wilfred about earlier tonight, actually, that um, that, that pack's just going to be so stacked now, even with TPJ out. I just don't really know what he's what Seabold's going to do. So guys like Flegler at the moment are scaring me a little bit, but... We'll know a bit more on TLT, I guess. Still got a love hate relationship with the old Flegler. I um I got him last year for that the game for that game uh, for the Origin game, and he did start. He started. I'm not sure if it was the Origin game or the game before Origin. He started. I was I was licking my chops. And he, he was on for the first 25 minutes. All right, sweet. When did you come back on? <laughs> Didn't come back on. <laughs> starting started starting prop at a 1.4 ppm. Played 25 minutes. Scored like 30 points. That's it. How good are the super coach memories? Bring them all back. Let's move on to the Raiders. So the Raiders, uh, obviously due to the coronavirus, we managed to get Rapana back over from Japanese rugby since it shut down, which absolutely killed Simonson owners. So he he was a big loser in uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, Bateman's injury recovery looked like that he might be fit for, for the next round because of the layoff now, which... You know, this is a really good example of somebody not, um, you know, having to step down or be injured during the pandemic, but just being a good pick before that you wouldn't pick now. And Tappany and Horse 
I own both of, and Bateman is going to kill one of them. Um, and that wasn't going to happen before. You know, we we're going to get you know, three, four, five good price rises and then a couple of small ones after that. Both of them look like good picks. But now Bateman's racing the clock to be back round one. I mean, round three. And if he is back round three, one of those guys is going to die, Billy. Yeah, even more so if he ends up sticking on the bench. You don't know who he's replacing, so that'll, that'll sell him for spending all that for you. I, I, I was reading Wacko's stuff the other day. It just seems like he's... The COVID stuff's putting him behind him a little bit with his recovery, so they're not sure if he'll come back on time, but obviously that's going to be lurking in. Yeah, it really sucks too, because, I mean, it's it's a good example of, you know, I, I got stuff wrong like everyone does, but there's a few things that I got right, and I felt that Tappany and the horse, especially Horsburgh, looked great and probably got dudded an extra 20 points across that first two rounds. I thought that I was so happy with myself because I love him as a player. I, I thought that he's going to be a really good NRL player who just needed a chance, and I loved him for a super coach pod this year. And I backed myself on all of it, and it looked like it had come through. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going to get shafted on it if he ends up getting benched, and I'm not going to get anything out of it. So that's why those trades need to be there for me. There is a chance that horse might still start a prop or something. It might work out. But there's three anti-vaxxers as well in uh, in this team, uh, Tapani, Papali, and Soliola. So if the draw comes out, you know, as a Tapani owner, it's going to suck if they end up playing a couple of games in Queensland. But owning horse... Um, it'll actually work out well for him because he'll get to step in and start for those couple of games at least. And I guess that's a, a bit of an advantage. Yeah, or oh, whatever happens with that draw, mate, as long as the Roosters get to play the, uh, the other four teams twice. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all that matters, well, right? I mean, that's going to happen. The doggies don't have too much to talk about, but uh, Wakeham Crazy. is somebody that I have, and he's apparently on the outer because now we've got Kieran Foran coming back. Uh, and there's Josh Reynolds' persistent rumours that he's on his way to Belmore as well. Um, so that kind of sucks for Wakeham owners because you're going to have to move him on. He hasn't been great anyway, but you know, you, you're not ever going to look at any price rises out of him. So he's the main yeah. effect for the doggies. Dimson's hurt out for the year, it looks like. Um, but that was unrelated to Corona. Let's move on to talk about the Sharkies, though, just to get, get along quickly because they've been particularly affected by the shutdown during this pandemic. The Sharkies' back line's back to full strength, mate. So Dugan, Sherry and Moylan are all back. Uh, and they're all healthy and they're all ready to go, which means, you know, if you've got a guy like Katoa or um, even Williams, they're not even going to see a rise. They're probably both going to just sit there with a negative break even and just be really brutal to own because of the shutdown and all these guys being healthy now. Yeah, those guys you can sort of get out for sort of... I, I can't remember what their prices are. I mean, um, is Katoa rock bottom or is he like sort of... A little bit behind. No, he wasn't rock bottom, but um, he just he he was going well. Um, so there was just a bit of a kick in the teeth. Um, both those guys are on negative break evens. I'm pretty sure. You know, obviously you didn't expect that to happen um, before, and now there's a pandemic. You get sort of shafted because of it. Would you, with those negative break evens sort of guys, would you just hold them and just sort of see what happens and try and hope that they're going to come back? Or do you think with the shorter season you can't really? You can't really bother doing that, and you sort of just need to move them. If Katoa was like, you know, 250 grand, uh, no, maybe just hold him for a couple, but if he's anything more than that, it's just wasted money. Get rid of him for someone absolute rock bottom, even, even if it's a nothing, and just use the cash elsewhere. Like, every 100, 150 grand helps, mate. So, if you get rid of a couple of guys like that, all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the 100 grand here, the 100 grand there, they both sort of scrape you from a 450 grand prop to a 650 grand prop. So th- those points are valuable, not, and uh, less less uh, they're sitting on your bench idle. Probably got more chance, to be honest, of 
of maybe the fullback coming in. But either way, like I, I kind of agree with you. You probably just got to get rid of them. I don't think you can afford to wait. Um, Fafita is another interesting one, and it's it's a different type of impact. So we haven't really spoken about this yet. I mentioned, you know, this is two months that Fafita hasn't been training properly and stuff, and he's going to come in and he's probably going to be underdone. So Fafita had a knee injury that he was struggling with. So he started off really poorly in the first two weeks, and I'm glad that I didn't start with him. But in saying that, he's, his knee's probably all recovered now. He's had a couple of months for it to recover. He's only got a 31 and 47 point game to his name in the first two rounds. Ordinarily, if he was training in full, you'd think, wow, he could be real good value in a couple of weeks. The flip side is that he might be fat and overweight and unfit. And a lot of those front row type guys or forwards that are a bit bigger might actually come back and struggle a little bit. You know, what's your take on ability? Do you think they're sort of going to heal up and be okay? Or you reckon that some of those bigger forwards are really going to struggle? Nah, particularly for feet, I reckon you need to treat it like the start of the season again. He's just, just coming back from sort of, just coming back from Christmas and probably even treat it like it's, you know, middle of January, early February as opposed to March. Like the, the guy hasn't been training with the team much longer than what, how, than what, no, a week? A few, a few and how, how proactive has he been, um, at home by himself? Duress, um, I wouldn't be too much, too concerned about the other younger guys. Just, just, I'd just be more concerned around, around their minutes, but... Yeah, and that's the other thing, um, whether they're going to try and go easy on them to start with, and I think that that might actually be the case. So I'd be pretty wary of any um, any big forwards that have a tendency to go up and down in minutes uh, to start off for round three. The Titans will just quickly go past. Watkins is a big effect on people. He was actually a pretty good pick-up, and he's back in the UK now. So he's a must-rate out because he's not going to play in the NRL this year. Cardi and Kelly are still down as well. They probably aren't going to actually have any good, decent, cheap options come in because they've got guys like Copley that have had enough time to heal now that they're going to come in. Um, and Brimson's out long-term with a, a broken back, which is unfortunate. So unfortunate for the Titans, but I don't think too many would be on any of those guys. So I want to just talk about Manly Billy because a lot of people are going to be on these guys. They have um, guys like Tapao and, and Dylan Walker who are, who are anti-vaxxers. Um, but the other thing that I kind of took away from the two-month layoff is uh, Fanua Blake was one of the best props of the year last year for Supercoach, um, and Jerbo was a bit underwhelming, but he's still Jerbo. The problems with those guys for the start of the season was that they were you know, not going to be fit for the start of the season. They were carrying pretty severe injuries. Uh, they've now had time to heal for round three, so all of a sudden, those two guys might actually be on the radar more so than what they were before because of the layoff. Fanua Blake, yeah, because he just had um, a beast to be here. He's a big unit. He does, obviously doesn't play as many minutes as, as um, Jervo, but when he's close to that line, he just seems to sort of burst burst through. But he's got that, gets that little arm away. He was a surprise packet last year, and I reckon he'll continue to be so as long as he's healthy. Jervo had no interest in at all. Um, he was, I think, it's often easier to pick someone that's undervalued. Um, that it is to pick someone who's um, overvalued or is likely to have, have a aggressive view. Um, we picked that last year with him, and he's shown absolutely no signs of stepping up at all. He just doesn't seem to have that little off, little offload or short ball to his brother. Um, I know his brother hasn't hasn't sort of been there long, uh, as often as it has been. But it just until he starts showing some clutch attack or, or even some um, um, some signs of it. Mate, not willing to get, get anyone new Jerry at all. But I understand why a few people are looking at him, and I think it's a valid point that um, he, he's going to be a better prospect than what he was round one because he is going to be fully recovered. 
I guess that's what this layoff has done with some of those guys. It's allowed them to recover from niggling injuries. It's just a matter of whether they kept fit at home or not. Let's talk a little bit about the Storm. I know that there's some popular sort of mid guys. Um, the Tino and Tui combo off the off the Melbourne bench um, have been strong. But Brandon Smith is coming back um, because of the early returns that we've seen. So he's going to go into the middle. Uh, Welsh as well is probably going to be back now recovering from an ACL. So he's probably going to be back on the bench. So... Uh, I'm not too huge on those guys. I mean, I know that I'm pretty sure that you were a Kamikamika fan from way back. Maybe I was drunk. Well, he um, he ended up going really well. Um, he ended up having a starting gig actually the first two weeks where he went, you know, 52 and 74 points. Um, and he did that in only 45 and 47 minutes. So a lot of people have sort of been pretty big um, on Tui especially. So I understand that. He's someone who might be affected by those guys coming back into the middle rotation, though. Not sure. Probably want to see. Uh, someone who... So a team that's a little bit more exciting, though, is the Newcastle Knights. Pog was obviously suspended. But the other guys that were were a big deal were obviously Braley going down and Barnett going down. And we didn't really get to see, because that happened round two, what was going to happen. Now, I know we've spoken about this, mate. I'm going to go straight to your love, child Watson. So... <laughs> We thought that this might be the Watson opportunity and, you know, you missed out on the opportunity to talk him up and everything and to get excited because that was round two and we haven't got to see him with a starting nine jersey yet. You know, are you excited for the resurgence of Watson? Oh, Gary, he's turning me off, mate. He's reminding me that Randall or some other bum is going to be around and take minutes off him. So if he's playing a full game, then yeah, 100%. But until he goes to a full game, I just don't... Yeah, it, it looks that way. It's going to be an interesting watch, so, um And I'll be watching, watching him because I do agree with you that Watson's a bit of a gun. The Warriors, you've already mentioned one of their big guns. Tavaga has been heavily positively affected by... The shutdown, and that's because he is now fully recovered from his injuries and obviously hasn't played a game yet this year. So thanks to the Corona layoff, he should come back in and start around at the 13 jumper straight away. Um, it does look like Katoa, though, is going to be a casualty, and he was a good cheapie that had a big negative break even who's now on the bench. So that kind of sucks um, if that ends up happening. But... You know, Tavaga hasn't played any game yet, so he's not going to have a price rise. Surely you're just going to wait to see uh, how he looks the first week or two as part of the Warriors pack for the first time this year. Yeah, you could. Um, it's just that at, at, his, at his price, he just presents an opportunity to sort of cash out to sort of someone. And, um, uh, uh, he was definitely a massive gun last year. Uh, and he's definitely yeah, he's been positively impacted by the shutdown, so... Hopefully he's fully healthy. Fuzitua is going to have to be a trade-out. Anyone who took a, a chance that Fuz might have actually got some better stats in the centres has been disappointed, and he's not actually even in uh, out of the country of New Zealand yet. So it looks like he's definitely missing round one, and he's a question mark after that. Got to flick him. The cows, Morgan is actually injured, and he's gone for at least the first two weeks. It's a shoulder injury, and that's plagued him for a while. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's out longer. So because of that injury that's um, that's occurred, and that's occurred during the shutdown, do you think that maybe drink water um, becomes a bit more appealing? You looked really good the first two weeks. He's got a negative break-even, and now that Morgan's gone, you know, maybe he has a bit more responsibility in running the team. Oh, yeah. Um, I think there are a fair few people that put their hands up um, after round, round one. And <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> I'd like to see a couple more rounds before I get convinced, mate, because there's plenty of options in those halves. Um, obviously, you know, lots of people had their 
the clear on Moses option, and then you've obviously got what's his name from um, sorry, uh, George, yeah. George 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 Williams. So if anything, if, if anything, he might be a stretch to you know, people that might have Walters who, who's who's stuck there now, or Louis is is breaking and moving too much. So the appeal at the moment is about three hundred sixty grand and minus thirty four BE. So. If you think Morgan going down during the pandemic is going to positively affect drink quarter, now is probably the time to actually get on him. It actually looks pretty appealing. Yeah, if you believe in that, if you believe in his ability, and, and you can't afford Moses because you're digging, uh, that maybe maybe gives you Cleary cash out for a week or two, and then bring Cleary back with an extra sort of you know, hundred grand. Talking about your Parramatta Eels now, you are probably the least affected by the shutdown negatively out of any team, mate. You finish round two oh, first on the fair. table, and you come into round three two months later looking like gold. Blowing well, the only real change is that um, that Nathan Brown's going to be going to be out, but that's a suspension that was going to happen anyway. There isn't really any COVID effects uh, aside from Reed Marnie was going to be out um, a fair bit longer, but he's a chance to actually return and not miss any time. So it's just all positive news for the Parramatta Eels. I don't want you to gloat too much about it, Billy. So let's just go on to. The hard luck story of the Penrith Panthers. <laughs> they have definitely been affected um, by the shutdown because, of course, of Nathan Cleary's TikTok antics. So he's obviously definitely out for the first two weeks because the Penrith Panthers actually made a statement earlier today and said they're not going to challenge the breach notice at all. Um, Nathan Cleary's not going to contest it. He's going to miss the first two rounds. So that's huge for Cleary owners. He's... I know what you're saying as far as strategy that, you know, just get rid of guys and rotate others in. He's pretty expensive, though, and it is only two weeks. Um, so it might actually be hard to get him in um, again after that. Is, is there any scenario where you're just going to bite the bullet and just hold him for two weeks because he's a gun and you don't want to be without him in three weeks' time? Oh, you can um, hold him if you want. I just don't see the... Unless you've got a decent coverage, I just don't see the point of the holding that sort of coin on the bench, I would much rather just sell him to Moses for two weeks and then sell him back yep. to Cleary again. No, fair call. The, good, the positive news for the Penrith Panthers is, from a super coach perspective anyway, um, Tyrone May got suspended for another two weeks. He was already going to get a five-week suspension that was carrying over, so he was never returning before round six. He's now not going to return before round eight. The reason why that's relevant is... Um, he could have challenged for, you know, a starting half gig even and, and screwed up Luai, although he's probably going to make his cash by then in five weeks. But that extra couple of weeks helps. And it also helps that he's not going to appear on the bench and potentially screw up uh, Appy Corris out, who's just going on a, a real tear to start the season already in the first two rounds. So that's the positive news from the Panthers' side of things. Uh, but I think they're going to really struggle without Cleary for a couple of weeks, right? I'm not... I'm not keen on many of those guys um, in that Panther side doing well while he's out. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to do. I just realised I've got a, what do you call it, that Walters kid and back, my backup is going to go on the bench. So, <laughs> so that's a sell theory, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but following on from them, we've got the Dragons, who are probably another team that hasn't been um, negatively affected by uh, the pandemic shutdown. Um, so there isn't too much to talk about with them, so we might just move on. Um, oh, actually, sorry, I should say they are positively boosted because Cam McInnes is actually going to be back now. Um, that knee injury is a stain during the nines that kept him out at the start of the year. He's going to be back. I wouldn't be jumping on him straight away, even though he's a second-row duel. Like, you've you got to wait and see how he returns, but um, that is definitely a watch based on his form from last year. Yeah, 
plenty of other options at Hooker Butt right now, so probably not really uh, go. He, he is a dual second rower, though, so I will say, like, when you because you've got, like, the trades up your sleeve, some teams might, and I have seen a couple of people talk about this, which is why I bring it up, some teams might actually be looking at him to throw in the second row as sort of a bit of a hooker cover. So if you need to sell one of your hookers, you can move him up and get a second row forward and that type of thing. Yeah, he might be a Steve Watch in the next couple of weeks, actually. <laughs> so I've turned you around in 30 seconds again, mate. No, I just completely forgot he wasn't he was available the second row. Um, uh, Hook, Hooker hundred percent no goes out. If you if you got him with a soft jaw and he's and he's healthy and he's you know making sort of forty five fifty tackles a game running yeah, at his plane you could do that. Um, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um fair bit of news for these guys. So unfortunately for James Roberts, uh he's had to go into uh rehab again, third time for for James to go into rehab. I guess it's a, you can look at that positively as well. It's good that he's getting himself some help and stuff. Hopefully he recovers and everything and he's back playing footy, but it's not going to be any time soon. Um, they've said that it's it, it, he's likely you know, going to miss a few games. Um, I would think that he might miss more than that. That opens the door, obviously. That he's definitely a sell. Um, that's without a question. I know some people jumped on him as a pod because he's only you know, high 300s to have for round one, but it also begs the question on whether Latrell Mitchell's going to stick in the one jersey or, or whether he's going to go back to centre. Um, I mean, if you own him anyway, you'd have to sell him because he's gone so poorly and he's going to have a massive break-even. But I, I tend to think, Billy, that, that Bennett's a stubborn old bugger and he's just going to leave him at one, put Alex Johnson on the wing and then just rotate him again and, and put Latrell into the centre sort of you know three-quarters through the game again. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll pull him this early. I reckon he'll kind of keep him there. Like, he's probably promised in the world to get him over there and say, look, your first crack at fullback. But I think it's probably pretty poor form to get rid of him after two weeks. Even though he is pretty poor form and looks overweight. But can't <laughs> I'm not the coach. So, so <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Actually, Wayne's your uncle. Um, mate, I could go either way here. Um, could, could go back to centre. Um, I think the only real sort of benefit here is if he does go back to um, centre and you're one of those people that um, took the punt on Burns early in the season, might make Burns a hold for now just to watch and see how he goes. Although he might, although um, I'm not sure how, how Burns goes right side, whether that'll be much of a difference. Jimmy's gonna, Jimmy is going to leave a hole in that side, though. Um, he's going to leave a hole in that back line. I think they're less potent now. And it's unfortunate, apparently... Had a bit of a falling down in his commitments and dedication to his sobriety during lockdown, which I think probably happened to quite a few people, to be honest. It wasn't a good time for him. So I wish him all the best, but let's move on to the Roosters. Now, they thankfully haven't been too impacted either. The only thing that's going to be a positive impact for them is going to be that uh, Boyd Cordner was sort of, you know, waiting to start again because they wanted to manage his workload. But really, I heard multiple... People say that he actually had an injury and he has been carrying him in his ankles and legs for a while. He's going to be fully fit. So with Cordner coming back, uh, the idea was that Angus Crichton is going to go back to the bench now. I actually think that Angus Crichton could start still. So I'm actually going to be watching Angus Crichton now that they're fully fit and we got Boyd Cordner back and the Roosters are ready to fire. Um, I'm pretty interested in having a look at that. The other change is, was going to happen anyway in round three and that's um, Josh Morris is going to be in for the Roosters as well. Yeah, old Crichton just seems to have been a fraction of himself ever since he moved from South. Um, I think there's probably only been one or two games where I've looked at him and gone, you know what, there's Angus of old. And unfortunately, I think one of those, he actually came off the bench. He must have 
he must have been talking to the coach to you know, get more involved because he's probably about 50 tackles in about 40 minutes that game, I think. I, even if he's starting, I just couldn't go anywhere near him. Not, not, not for now. I'd really like to see what the rotations are like and how he's gelling and how, what his work rate is because it just doesn't seem like he, um, he was having anywhere near the luck he was when he was a South. Played the one game so far in round two, missing round one. He did start in that one, but obviously Boyd Cordner wasn't there. He got the 67 points in his 80 minutes, so uh, and he did go well the back half of last year. So I'm still backing him as a pod if he starts. It's always been the caveat um, with Boyd Cordner back healthy for round three. We're going to get to see now where he sort of fits in. The West Tigers, now, they're interesting because it looks like, because, because of the COVID shutdown, Luke Brooks is going to be fully healthy again. So we're going to have a Brooks and, and Marshall Haas combo, which means Adam Dewey, who I was kind of keen on and a few other people were kind of keen on if he was fullback and kicking, goes back to fullback. Um, so he's an absolute dud for anyone who started him in the centres. He has not gone well at all, but maybe he resurrects things at fullback. Um, other than that, the big super coach news during the COVID lockdown was that Harry Grant got approved to come over from the storm. Now, if Harry Grant's starting nine, which you think that he would be, he's going to become uh, pretty close to a must-have at some point. Oh, yeah, um, at some point. Um, he might end up being my uh, starting half <laughs> in a couple of weeks, but <laughs> depends, depends on funds. Uh, yeah, no, I think um, he'll yeah, definitely be um, on the ground uh, sort of, uh, uh, after, after two or three rounds, mate. I've got a really keen interest in watching how he goes um, early. It's a shame there's no trials because um, I really would like to see the minutes rotation and whether he's actually going to get you know 50 minutes or 60 minutes or... or or, or what, because I'd like to get you in a little bit earlier if possible. But, um, there's obviously that risk-reward uh, starting start hooker that might be playing 40 minutes or 60 minutes. It's interesting because it's going to be really good that he didn't get any games at the Storm. He hasn't played any this year yet, so we get to watch him for two weeks and not be forced to trade him in or take a bit of a punt early. Uh, and what that means as well is that, um, I guess with the strategy side of things, you know, someone like Rayleigh at hooker, Hasn't set the world on fire the first two rounds. He's not looking at a big price rise. If you can get sort of three price rises out of Braley and then just punting for Grant, or a couple of price rises, sorry, and then punting for Grant before Grant starts going up, even if Braley only makes 60 or 70 grand, that might be the new norm because we've got so many trades. It might be fine just to cut your losses and just and just go that way, and that's probably what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, great, mate. So that's it, mate. We've gotten the podcast going again, which is good. It's nice to talk footy because I haven't been able to very much. Hopefully, the next couple of weeks, we kind of have a bit more of an idea of what team lists and stuff are looking like. But thanks for jumping on. It was good to have a chat about footy after a while and to not have to talk about coronavirus and everything else happening. Yeah, cheers, mate. Kids have just woken up, so good time time to have a wine. And put <laughs> Perfect. Well, you enjoy yourself, mate. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in again. Uh, obviously, we're still available on SoundCloud or iTunes. Do follow us on Twitter. NRL underscore SC underscore All-Stars. Sorry if we're a bit rusty tonight, but we're going to warm up, I promise you, and we're going to give you a weekly podcast now going forward. So tune in again next week. We're going to be going through uh, tradings and trade-outs in a lot more detail and who we're going to target uh, the week after. We're going to do a TLT Bonanza and be going through that as well. But until then, definitely start playing around with your team. Trades have been available since this morning on Supercoach for your full five allotment for this week. Good luck having a look at it and thinking about it. We will have a return to the mailbag soon as well to answer your questions. And until then, we'll chat to you again next week.